Welcome to Learning Through Math, the podcast. I'm Laura at I Teach the Why. I'm Karina at Mrs. Cousins 5. Our mission is to inspire ourselves and others to keep learning and improving with passion. And hugs. You can find us at learningthroughmath.com and on Twitter at Laura and Karina. Come and join us on this journey of learning. Thanks for joining us. We are recording this in July of 2020. And welcome to episode four, 13 Rules That Expire. This episode is based on an article written by Carp, Bush, and Doherty, and we will include the article in the show notes. This is one of my favorite articles to use with teachers. I agree. It's chock full of great information and and ways for us to change our mathematical language and practices with our own students. So before we get into this episode, let's reflect a little bit about the last episode with CRA, Concrete Representational and Abstract, something that happened that we actually just did. Yeah. When we reread this article, there was an example given about subtracting two negative numbers. And I looked at Laura and I said, well, I know how to do this abstractly Mm -hmm. because that's how I was taught. I know that when you subtract a negative number, it creates, it's just a positive. So you change the sign, but I have no idea what that looks like. So I asked Laura, I'm like, what, what, what let's, let's think of this concretely. What, how would we, what would we use to represent this? And I remember being in a training a few years ago and I remember that the person used two colored counters. Since I have my whole classroom here at home with me over the summer, because I'm changing schools, I grabbed the two color counters and I said, I know it has something to do with this. So we started to play around with it, and then... We still couldn't figure it out. Then we went on... (laughs) We went on YouTube. Yep. (laughs) Searched for a video, found one, and then like just had an aha moment. That light bulb turned on, even for us, since we don't live in that integer world in elementary school. If you're a middle school teacher, please take out those manipulatives (sighs) and teach with those red and yellow counters. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't have any, just find your friend at, at the local elementary school because I'm sure everyone's got them in their closets. Yes. Now it makes a lot more sense. Yes. And now See, there I understand. Our aha. Uh-huh. Let's dive into the 13 rules that expire. So rule number one, when you multiply a number by 10, just add a zero to the end of the number. <laughs> Gosh, and I, I can hear third and fourth and even fifth grade teachers saying this because when you multiply by a power of 10 with a whole number it's so natural just to say add a zero at the end it's hard to get out of that language so being a fifth grade teacher what i do is we're just always going back to looking at the patterns of the numbers as opposed to talking about just adding a zero to the end and the reason why this is a da- like a dangerous rule to teach is that when we're multiplying by decimals, decimals. when you multiply by a decimal, you don't just add a zero to the end. Because some of my students would literally put, you know, 0.25 and then just stick a zero on the end. Yes. When it was 25 hundredths times 10. No. Right, right. We talk about shifting the the digits. digits and shifting the decimal, but 
doing both of them is really important. You and I talk a lot about shifting digits versus shifting the decimal because in our place value system, the places don't change, the decimal point never moves. Yes. We tend to talk about shifting the digits because that's what's really what's happening. Yes. Since this expires in grade five, we really want, especially the third and fourth grade teachers, because they're the ones third especially they're the ones introducing multiplication not to to fall into that trap of saying add a zero and I don't know about you but I know that when I do a number talk and a student literally says add a zero I put plus zero when I'm facilitating a number talk because I want them to be mathematically precise which is one of the mathematical Practices. practices that we want our kids to be able to do and I just want to point out that this rule expires in grade five if you look at the articles and you just pay attention to the expiration date to all of these rules there are five of them that expire in fifth grade and eight of them that expire in elementary So it's really important that as teachers, mathematically precise with our language. Let's move on to rule number two. Use keywords to solve problems. (laughs) This is one of my babies. Yes, yes. Um, There's one thing that I do want to, I just want to quote from from the article. It says, using keywords often encourages students to strip numbers from the problem and use them to perform a computation outside of the problem context. And I think that that's a, there's a word that you've kind of used a lot or a a phrase. You mean number pluckers? Number pluckers. (laughs) They're number pluckers. They just grab the numbers and they just do Actually, they usually kids just add the numbers. Yes. Even if it has the story problem has nothing to do with addition, that's all they do. They pluck yeah. out numbers. And if they know we're multiplying or dividing, they'll just multiply. All of them. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I also want to quote Julie Dixon on this. She says the keywords are evil. Evil. And we'll we'll post there's a blog post that she has written mm-hmm. about how keywords are evil are evil so we'll include those in the show notes that reminded me there's another book that i came across a few years ago that's called nix the tricks yes by tina cardone we'll link that in the show notes as well yeah yeah which has to do with all these kinds of tricks and and rules that expire so that's a great one and i think the whole book is available online it is so we can we can link that on the show notes too i'm just going to take the example that's in the article says john had 14 marbles in his left pocket He had 37 marbles in his right pocket. How many marbles did John have? You know, people are saying keywords. You see the word left. Doesn't that mean to subtract? It does. It does. Not in this case. No. And keywords become a very huge problem, honestly, when it becomes a multi-step word problem. Yes. And I like to call them story problems because they do have a beginning, a middle, and the answer is usually the end. This rule expires in grade three. Grade three. It's an early one. It is. Mm -hmm. So we've got to take down keywords. Cubes, and we have to take down our our keyword posters. Just you have our permission to burn them. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay, maybe if they're laminated, don't burn them. Maybe just throw them in the garbage. <laughs> yeah, it's at the end of the day, it's just not helpful for kids. It's not. They have to make sense of what's happening in the story for the context. Another site that I just thought of was numberless word problems. Yes. That's another one of my favorites where you actually just take the numbers out of the story and have the kids read line by line and say what's happening, restate what's happening in that story. Don't even put the question at the end. You know, I think of too the 
video, and I forget where it, you're going to tell me where it, where it came from. Okay. The video with the problem, they had like, uh, I want to say teenagers or adults trying to solve this with the shepherd and how old oh, is the shepherd. Oh, that was Robert Kaplinsky. Yes. So I always think about that when I when I think about trying well, to teach yep. keywords or, or the dangers of teaching keywords is that they don't make sense. It was a complete nonsensical word problem. We'll link that to the show notes so everybody can can look at that video. That's as a great well. video. Moving on to rule three, you cannot take a bigger number from a smaller number. This rule expires in grade seven because we're talking about integers. You can take a bigger number from a smaller number. You just get into the negative space, into the negative world. What I always use as my example in my classroom when we talk about this is that if I I have $5 in my bank account and I owe you 10, I can take out $10 and give it to you, uh, but my bank account yeah. now, <laughs> now is- Now you owe the bank. I, right. <laughs> when I address this in my classroom, I always use money. And when I address this in my classroom, I talk about two things, either above and below sea level, mm. and then I can kind of also tie it into science. Yes, that's a good one. <laughs> and I also talk about elevators. So we live in Florida. We don't have basements or anything like that, but sometimes we have parking garages that go below ground, and I bring that into my classroom. And of course, temperature, right? Oh, we can talk about, about that yeah. too. And of course, that's <laughs> hard for our kids to visualize yep. because we don't have snow days or anything. Always hot <laughs> down here. I had a kindergarten teacher this year tell me that one of her kindergartners was talking about negative numbers. She was able to tell me that story about that five, six-year-old using negative numbers. So even though it says it expires in grade seven, we want that not to be taught throughout the elementary school years. Right. Rule number four, addition and multiplication make numbers bigger. Ooh, we definitely know that expires <laughs> when it comes to multiplying decimals and fractions. Yes. In episode three, we had talked about, one of my examples was using the tiles as a new area, using yes. the new model. So one third times one third is now one ninth. And that is such a difficult concept for kids. And even me as an adult to go back and to really rethink that. Well, and we live in the whole number world most yes. of the time. So since that's what most students have been exposed to, even, I mean, they start fractions in third grade and second grade, but really they don't get into it until fourth grade. So if they've had six, seven, eight, nine years of living in the whole number world, mm -hmm. it's very hard for them. Kind of the same thing when we talked about using manipulatives and having that small cube represent one. Well, guess what? In fifth grade, I'm going to make that represent one hundredth or something. Yeah, right. And because every Every time they've seen multiplication up to this point, it has created a product that's Larger, greater yep. right, than the than its factors. I totally get where it comes from, yep. but it's so important that as teachers, we make the students aware that it's not always the case. That yes, right now these numbers are getting yes. bigger, but they won't always necessarily mean that the product is larger than the factors. Which goes, ties right into rule number five that expires subtraction and division make numbers smaller. Yes. Again, same thing. So this expires in grade six and again at grade seven. But think about when we're dividing fractions. When you yeah. divide a fraction by a fraction, your result is greater than what you started with. Yeah. And I referenced explosions in my classroom. Yeah. This is again like, oh, multiplication, you're getting a smaller product, right? explosion. Division, you're getting a larger quotient, 
explosion. It's all these moments in fifth grade that change their understanding. Because they've been taught these rules throughout. So we as teachers have to be very explicit with our language when we're teaching. If we look at rule number six, you always divide the larger number by the smaller number. Oh, here we go again. Another fifth grade one. I, we will have examples of two cookies. Mm-hmm. I am going to share them equally with four people. And every time we get the division sentence four divided by two. Always. And I ask them, well, wait, what does that four represent in the problem? And the kids are like, well, those are the people. Four people. And I'm like, so are you breaking Three apart part these people, people? <laughs> into twos? And then, of course, they're like, no, we, we can't break apart people. So I'm like, okay, so we need to rewrite this sentence to make sense with the problem. Exactly. Now let's look at rule number seven that expires. Two negatives make a positive. This expires in grade seven, which references back to rule number five, subtraction and division make numbers smaller. It's just another one of those things where we can't, it's not always true. Right. So we can't say this always happens. In this case, here's what happens. In this case, and maybe that's the kind of language that teachers need to be using, as well as ourselves. Right. I often say, in fifth grade, Yes. And then I'll I'll continue with what we what we will see and what they'll be exposed to, mm-hmm. and then I'll say, but in sixth grade that's going to be different. Yes. So I think that that's helpful for students just to know and kind of put an asterisk next to their learning that okay this will work for me this year, right. but next year I'll understand it in a different way. Right. Rule number eight says multiply everything inside the parentheses by the number outside the parentheses. Mm. This goes back to distributive property right here. Yeah. Yes. And how important distributive property is. And using those area models and the concrete representations to show that if you have, let's say, you know, three times open parentheses, five plus four, close parentheses, that it's three groups of five plus three groups of four. Right. And that's not the same as three open parentheses, five times four, close parentheses. And we're going to talk a little bit later about order of operations because that's another the rule that they bring up. Yeah, so we'll pause this conversation as we move on to rule number nine. Improper fractions should always be written as a mixed number. Now, I do wonder why they wrote improper fractions well, and not fractions greater than one. I'm looking at the date, the publishing date, and it was 2014 of this article. However, in the middle school world, I think they do still commonly say improper fractions. And I know I do. I'm sure you do. We say it both ways in yes. fifth grade that it's improper fraction but it means a fraction greater than one because we need them to understand the foundation Mm -hmm. of where improper came from it's not just that the numerator is greater than the denominator We, we need them to understand what it looks like and what it actually means yeah that's so important so we don't always want them to change the improper fraction or the fraction greater than one to a mixed number especially as the article says when you're learning about the slope of a line so that comes in a little bit later in seventh grade. I think the most important thing too is for them to just be flexible with their numbers. Absolutely. It goes back to that. It goes back to... I mean, sometimes there's a purpose to to write it as a mixed number before you compute with it. Right. I know that to understand, if I'm talking about a measurement, Mm -hmm. if you're going to say that it's... One and three eighths. 
I'm I'm really not going to say 11 eighths. I'm right, not. Right. Because what's the unit? Is it one and three eighths feet? One and three eighths right. inches? I'm not going to say 11 eighths inches. No, that doesn't make sense. You can't visualize that. Exactly. You can't. Rule number 10 says the number you say first in counting is always less than, than the number that comes next. Oh, yes. The, their example here is if you have three dozen eggs is more that's more than eight eggs because it goes back to the size of the unit right which is why i'm always saying you can't just say the numerical answer you have to tell us what you're measuring what you're counting what are you talking about i i do too when they say oh the answer is three three what three, uh, so three I, bananas i say three cupcakes cupcakes is my go-to I bananas are fine <laughs> No, sometimes I do say donuts. Oh. <laughs> food. Yay. <laughs> right? We always go back to food. Rule number 11 says the longer the number, the larger the number. Ah, oh, mm. and again, mm-hmm. back to decimals. Mm-hmm. And look, this expires in grade four. In fourth grade. This is, I mean, this is a big one, especially when they have to compare decimals. So for this one, I don't think that it's explicitly taught as if you have a longer number, I don't think teachers are saying that. You know, if right. you have a longer number, then that number is greater Again, than the shorter numbers. Going back into the whole number world. Right. So when we go into the decimal world, it all comes back to place value, yes. the value of each place. Yes. And I love the example that they put in here mm-hmm. that thinking, kids think that 273 thousandths is greater than six tenths because there's only one digit behind that decimal right. point in six tenths. Number 12. Oh, I'm already smiling at this one. Please, <laughs> Please excuse my dear Aunt Sally. Aunt Sally. <laughs> or PEMDAS. Or bedmass, Or gems. Or I don't know. Like There's so many out there. So many. We need to teach it as order of operations. Yep. Triple O. And here's the danger. Here's the big the big issue with this mm-hmm. is that because I know teachers will say, but that's how I've always taught it. And right. then they remember it. The problem with it is that students, when they see multiplication and division, they immediately think that multiplication is first. Yep. No matter where it is in the expression. Same with addition and subtraction. Right. Because of that order. Yep. The way that I've done it in my classroom, I've taught this, is to use it almost like a a pyramid like boxes mm-hmm. and I write um, the P on the top and then multiplication and division on stickies and then subtraction and addition on stickies so that I can move them mm-hmm. around and mm-hmm. one day it'll look like this with the D and M mm-hmm. and one day it'll look like you know I'll flip it so that they're they understand that those two are equal they on have the, the same priority level. That's right, what I like tell them. Right, like a hierarchy, right? right? Like they're on the same level. Mm-hmm. I kind of talk about a, a building too, and we want to go from the top floor uh, to the bottom floor, and division multiplication are on the same floor. Okay, that makes sense. I think it's fine to use a mnemonic device, but you have to have disclaimers right. in them. Three years ago, I was working with a fifth grade teacher, and I pulled out Danica McKellar's book, Math Doesn't Suck, and Kiss My Math. <laughs> 
And she, which I'll link in the show notes, she explained it using a dinner and dessert kind of thing where it was something like pandas eat mustard on dumplings and apples with spice. Or it could be pandas eat dumplings with mustard and spice on apples. And her whole thing was to say that you can't just say PEMDAS because that's not what it is. She went through this. So whatever I ended up teaching the kids, one of the kids after our state test, because yeah. we had done order reparations at the beginning of the school year that right. year, he came up to me and said, Miss, I remembered what you had taught us about the pandas eating everything. And he said he got the question right because of the, this is the appetizer, this is the entree, this is the dessert. Oh. However, I, I right. explained it to him. He remembered and he went from left to right. Right on that multiplication division and left to right on the addition and subtraction. I was so yeah. proud of him. Yeah. I, honestly, I don't know if he got it right because I didn't get to see his <laughs> test, but I was he, excited. He, he was confident. confident. He was confident. <laughs> Number 13 is probably one of my absolute favorites. And this rule expires in grade one. Mm. It is the equal sign means find the answer or write the answer. We have to be teaching, even in kindergarten, that the equal sign means the same as, or that that symbol is a relational symbol. Mm. Whatever's on this side of the equal sign is the same value as that side of the equal sign. But it doesn't mean, dun da 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 we have to do something. Right. Yeah, I totally agree with everything you just said. (laughs) Did you like my dun da 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 I did. So let's talk about that expired language. This is in the table of the article. I mean, the first one that I want to oh. just, I, I want to go right to it. It's using the words borrowing mm. or carrying when subtracting or adding. And that's how we were taught. Mm-hmm. So we have to not fault teachers that are still using those words because if they, if that's all that they knew, and once we know better, we do better. That's right. We just have to be explicit with our language and change it to trading or regrouping mm-hmm. because you should have those concrete manipulatives out. Right. Those base 10 blocks or the counting cubes or something where they have to trade up or trade down or, or exchange amounts of things. Yeah. I think the danger here too is that when you're using the language of borrowing, it kind of implies that you're going to give it back. Give it back. <laughs> so that's where that's where we want to be more precise with our mathematical vocabulary. Because we we've, we've all heard really go borrow a cup of sugar from yes. a neighbor. What we're not there's no sugar involved. I don't know where go where's... knock next door. Knock <laughs> next door. And I'm like, we're not borrowing because we're not giving it back. Because it's actually the same number. See, that's the thing too yes. right if we have 34 mm-hmm. three tens and four ones that's the same as two, two tens, tens and 14, 14 ones. ones so it's just renaming the number in a different way and that goes back to first and second grade teachers Mm-hmm. Technically, the kids shouldn't even be exposed to the standard algorithm until they have a firm understanding of addition and subtraction. Mm-hmm. Same with multiplication division, but we're talking about grade one right now, you know, borrowing and carrying. But in fifth grade, this is so big when it, when we are naming, renaming, renaming decimals. Yes. And it's so important for them to understand that 60 hundredths, hundredths is, is the same, same as six tenths. Yep. And they don't all they don't see that right away. There are 
eight stated phrases that we commonly use and then they give alternatives of what should be stated. I just think the other one that's super important is reading the equal sign as makes. For example, saying two and two makes four, two, two plus two equals four, to not state that and instead to read the equation two plus two equals four as two plus two equals or two plus two is the same as four because that's showing that it's a relational relationship and not just I have to do it. And it goes back to rule 13. Yes. So it really, those those ones really come together nicely. And I'll just plug the last one. I know we don't want to go through all of them for I the fraction. Think. Yeah, the top number and the bottom, please just name them, just numerator and denominator. I mean, I think it's really important for students to know the proper language. Not just that, but that students should see fractions as one number. Number, not two separate numbers. There was one more thing I wanted to say about that equal sign. I know it's not in this article, but please, please teachers, don't always make the sum or the difference or the product or the quotient always on the right side of the equal mm -hmm. sign. Please flip the expression or the equation so that it looks differently. And for that, you can go to the appendix in the Common Core State Standards. I'll link that. We'll link that as well. That was a lot. Sorry, that was that, a lot. <laughs> sorry if that went a little longer than what we had hoped for, but all of it is super important. It is. Flip. And it's such a, it's such a good article. I read it years ago mm -hmm. and I'm glad that we revisited it. Mm -hmm. I think it's an important one. It's important to have those conversations with your teams. Mm -hmm. It's important to have the conversations with your students. Yes. It's important to self-reflect as a teacher and say, where have I, you know, when I look at myself in my own teaching, I definitely, definitely have said out of. Oh, absolutely. You know, with fractions for sure. So I need to be more. And don't beat yourself up if you've been doing this. Right. Because now that you know better, you do better. Right, right. But it is, it's a good article to, you know, I feel like you always, when you read it, you always get something else something out of else. it. Something else. And I've read this article many, many times and I always, it always brings back things to my mind. Yeah. Now we're going to go into the challenge. Our challenge for today is, of course, to read, read the, the article. article. We will link it in our show notes. The question that we have for you to reflect and Think about what is one of these rules or maybe the language in the chart. What is one thing that you'll teach differently, that you'll rethink Talk about differently now in, in your, your classroom. classroom? Thank you so much for being here today and listening to us. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast and give us a five-star review on your favorite podcasting platform. We invite you to join the conversation on Twitter by using the hashtag learningthroughmath. We'd love to hear your feedback. Make sure to tag us at Laura and Karina. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. To you too.